Invasion is not new to old Earth and has been going on continuously for millions of years, so no one noticed when the Earth was invaded again on Thursday, August 19, 2013, at 4.07 a.m. Indeed, some theorists imagine that life on Earth may, in fact, owe its existence to a similar seeding of primordial, shallow, warm, salty seas. This newest invasion was attracted to life. It didn't take long. Contact. Attachment. Invasion. Replication. Growth exploded. The alien wave front blasted through the forest. An immense fresh food supply was now available. Contact, attachment, invasion, replication, growth rates increased. Thirty miles away, Steve Ambler, University of Washington graduate forestry student, was rousing to the clamor of his alarm. It was five in the morning. Soon, his lakeside cabin filled with the aroma of coffee perking and bacon frying. Steve's thoughts were on his graduate assignment, his survey of the headwaters of the Sappho River. It was time to bundle together his records and meet with his graduate supervisor at the University of Washington. He was running short of food. It was also time to check in at the Forks Forest Service Center. Lots to do today. Steve drove up the rough Forest Service road toward his research area, The alien wavefront lay waiting as a thin gruel of a milky-white, iridescent film coating most surfaces. It was directly in his path. As Steve arrived, a large Douglas fir tree, the original invasion site, was undergoing serious, rapid, multiple attacks. Steve was rapidly moving along. He was making notes when his ear caught an explosive sound. It was the sharp, popping, crack-creak, shrieking, staccato sound of a breaking, falling forest giant. He looked up in time to see the angular, increasingly rapid, destructive, thunderous swath that a big tree fall inflicts upon the forest. The landing was concussive, was followed by a blast of air, flying debris, and the ground beneath his feet vibrated. Whoa, that's a big un he exclaimed to no one but himself and the dark-eyed raven observing him with its usual curiosity. A big tree's landing sound was an explosive, low-frequency grinding whoomp Steve never personally seen like this before and wanted some first-hand observations. He hurried, eager to be on sight. The tree had stood nearly two hundred feet tall. Upon reaching the critical moment of weakness, it fell, pushed over by a gentle freshet of breeze. The falling trunk had splintered the limbs and trunks of other trees. Bark shrapnel had exploded away, blasting off into the surrounding forest, spreading drenching sprays of slime to temporarily surviving trees. As Steve approached the fallen giant, he began to see the white slime, but it did not really register. The stump, now cracked and rendered asunder like the summit of a volcanic cone, held a pool of thin white fluid. Only when he saw the remains of the stump and sundered trunk did the thin white-green material really get his attention. The area looked as if it had been sprayed with drools of thin bovine slobber. He saw still more oozing out of the shattered remains of the trunk. Holy cow, what is that stuff?
Being an innately cautious person, he didn't want to touch it with his bare hands. He pulled out a couple of sample vials from his belt pouch and used his lab tweezers. Cautiously, Steve retreated toward his truck. Behind him, the blight was growing much faster. The alien wave advanced. Reporting his discovery, August 19, 2013, 9 a.m. When Steve got out of his truck at the Forks Forest Service Center to make his report, the invisible trail of his footprints left spots of infection. They would show themselves later. On entering, he greeted Mac, the newest employee at the station. Mac was the only Forest Service person with which he had so far been able to empathically connect, probably because of the similarity of their ages.